And we welcome you into a Thursday edition of Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nikhail Braden Gall, Derek Mason, Marquise Munson with you. What's going on, boys? Happy Thursday. What is up? Um That's all. Just what's up? My cholesterol. Oh. Blood pressure? Uh blood pressure's pretty good today. An- anxiety levels. Pretty low. That's good. Well, but- it's only my anxiety only gets high on Titans game days. I was going to say Sunday around 4 o'clock. Yeah, when I see a quarterback drop back to throw and Big Raj is at the uh, the helm of protection. Oh, you're already ripping on Big Raj. We're like three sentences into the show, man. I think, I think Big Raj might be my punching bag until further notice. All right, fair enough. You always got to find one guy in each market that's underachieving, making a lot of money. Last spring it was Kyle Turris. This fall, it's Big Raj. Can't, oh, say, Big a word Raj. About, can't say a word about Kyle Turris now. No, Who no, wasn't no. in Philly? Oh, there's too many of them. All of them. All of them. It's City of Underachievers. Santa Claus, little children. (laughs) (laughs) Coaches and general managers and quarterbacks. Big Uh, Raj. Light light posts in the parking lot. Yes. I like that Big Raj. Big Raj. They thought they were getting Sappho, but they got Big Raj. Yes. (laughs) That is just so funny. (laughs) Sappho sounds like... Uh, a far more professional term, but Big Raj also sounds like someone I wouldn't want to mess with, though. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I, I can't decide. Like, if, if I ran up on someone, they're like, like, hey, man, I'd like to introduce you to my buddy. This is Big Raj. I'd be like, hello, Big Raj. I don't want to mess with you. <laughs> You're big, <laughs> but then you have large but shoulders. Big, but like you said, Big Raj is the guy. Maybe he's that just you like walk your boy. in the bar downtown. And you and your boys and, and, and y'all meeting up with some other guys and, and Big Rod is the guy nobody knows. And so you walk in, hey fellas, this is my boy Big Rod. Yeah, yeah. You're like, Oh hey, Big Rod, what's up? And Big Rod is happy go lucky. Big Rod don't mess with yeah, nobody. Does know. he does he have one of the straps of the overalls undone? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he's only it's got like one. Big Rod's just there, Big Rod is ordering beers for everybody. Yeah, Cowboy. He's like, Man, this is a scary dude until he stumbles over his own feet. But you like, don't oh, mess with Big Rod. That's the thing. You no. don't mess Big right. Rod's play with you and he's nice, but right. you don't mess with Big Rod. Saffold, on the other hand, is is the guy you think would like, like block for a quarterback. Big Big Rod mm-hmm. works construction. He's got the t-shirt pocket with the pack of cigarettes in there. You know, he goes to the bar when he's done. He grabs a couple of Bud Lights. He gets a bucket. Or is Big Rod... He definitely Raj, orders a bucket of beer. He does. Is Big Rod really small? Like, Big Rod is like really yeah. five foot big, two. Big, <laughs> big Rod is actually Kevin Hart. Exactly. Is Big Rod really like the small guy, but you call him Big Rod? Yeah. yeah. We're like, what no, do no. they call that? We're like, like, no, 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 it's ironic. Because <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, there, wasn't there a character in a movie where his name is Tiny? Yeah, and, it was. And, and uh, he was, and it was, he was monstrous. And he was monstrous. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, I forget. It was on one of the. Uh, it's not the Friday. It's uh, not. No, it, yeah, it is. Holly, that's it the name. That's that's the name of the guy that Debo and Friday. His name is Tiny. That, see, okay, all right. See? No, but it was on a Hollywood Shuffle too. With uh, well, not, De- not Debo Samuel. I've never heard of the, of the Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah, you never heard of Hollywood <laughs> Shuffle. It was the guy in that no. name Tiny. He was a big fella, but his name was Tiny. No, I don't have that app. <laughs> Jeez. Hollywood Shuffle. All right, we got a really good swinging. show on tap for you today. Uh, Coffee with the coach coming up at 7.30. Uh, Preds associate coach Dan Muse will join us. Uh, Joe Rexrode at 8 o'clock this morning. Hal Gill at 9.30. It's, of course, a Thursday, so we will go behind enemy lines. Uh, Matt Money Smith is the play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Chargers. He will join us coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, but let's actually get to Marcus Mariota because yesterday, obviously, the news 
official late Monday night, or excuse me, late Tuesday night. We talked about it yesterday. Tannehill named the starter. But let's hear from the former starting quarterback, uh, an extended clip here. Marcus Mariota speaking publicly for the first time on being benched. Uh, I had an opportunity to play, and I didn't make the most of it. And, um, you know, I'm going to learn and grow from it. This is an opportunity for me to grow as a person and as a player, and uh, I'm going to do everything I can to help Ryan and help the team out. Rabel said that this is a move for this week. Uh, do you try to be ready in case they turn back to you at some point this season? No, absolutely. Uh, I think you have to be ready at any point in time. Um, so no matter what, I'll prepare just as much just as I have, and um, you know, I'll be ready to go. You said time and time again you prepare the same way, not change your mindset, not change your approach. Having reached this point, is it time to maybe reassess that? I think it's an opportunity for me to learn, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the most of it. Uh, no matter what, um, each and every single day, I'm going to approach it with uh, the mindset of just to learn. And, um, you know, it is what it is, and uh, I'll be better from it. Did you expect this was going to happen? After the game Sunday when you came back Sunday night? Honestly, I wasn't sure. Um, you know, I knew the, the coaches were going to talk about it, and um, they made a decision. And, you know, for me, I just got to be the best teammate that I can be. You've always talked about being a team guy. Is this the moment where you have to be a team guy and support Ryan and everything else? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Ryan was supportive of me, and um, this is my opportunity to just be a good teammate. Marcus, for how much you've been through with this organization, do you think it's fair for them to pull the rug Well, that's up to them. Um, you know, for me as a player, I'm going to take it and run with it and learn, um, you know, and uh, no matter what, it is tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but for me as an athlete, I can learn and grow from it. You think this organization, with all the coaching changes, all the OC changes, the offensive line the way it is, do you think the organization let you down as much as maybe you didn't fulfill what you wanted to um, for me, my expectation was always to be the best player that I can be for this team. Um, and, you know, I, to the day that I die, I believe that I gave it all that I got. And, um, you know, no matter what, I can learn and grow from this situation. This isn't going to bring me down. This isn't going to, uh, you know, end my career. This is an opportunity for me to grow, and uh, I'm going to make the most of it. You mentioned that your career, Marcus. Have you taken any time to contemplate your football future, given the fact that as not going to have a contract for next year? Um, you know, not really. And I don't think for me it's it's in any good mindset to do that. Uh, my main focus is just to be here with my teammates and uh, support them the way that I can. Morgan, I'm sorry I missed the first question, but what were your emotions like when you first heard the news and how much different is this role going to be for you? Uh, disappointment. Um, and you know, it is going to be different. Uh, I haven't really been in this role for a long time, really at all in my career. So, um, you know, I'm again, I'm going to do everything I can to help Ryan and help this team out. Okay, so that was Marcus yesterday in the locker room. And my big takeaway from that is he mentions, you know, you got to learn from this. And he says that many times in that two minute clip. My question is is there anything that Marcus can learn from this? How to sit down. <laughs> Shut up. No, 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 no. I'm just that was Yeah, the guy who never tongue talks. Cheek, tongue in cheek. <laughs> um you know, he is there something he can learn from this? Obviously, yeah. Uh whenever you have been the guy for so long. He said he's never been in a situation before. Now you have to learn how to truly be a good teammate. Um now you gotta learn 
how to just sit back and watch. And, and, and maybe you can see some of the things um, that you didn't see on the field. You get a, a different vantage, um, a, a different view um, from on the sideline. And, you know, it, it, it can help you. Um, but you still what, have to prepare mentally yeah, like you still, you're the starter? Oh, of course. Because I you mean, don't know if you're going to get an opportunity again or yeah, not. I mean, the backup quarterback is probably the most important job on the team because – one, they got to get the uh, they got to get the defense ready for the next upcoming opponent, because they do take a lot of the scout team routes. But then they also have to know their offense and and make sure that they know everything, just in case the starter goes down. They got to prepare as if they're going to play, knowing that they might. You know, they got to prepare as if they are the starter, knowing that they're not the starter. And and I, uh, I look at it as co starters from here on out. Like I don't. You know, if Ryan Tannehill plays well, he won't come out of the game. But I don't see this as a coast. Why why does anyone think that he's going to like all of a sudden change this team's fortunes and and be phenomenal? Again, we're all rooting for that. But uh, if he plays well, he's not coming out. He'll continue to start. There's no question. But there's no real indication that that's going to happen. And so I think both players need to be prepared to play the rest of the season. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's four for one and six for another or eight for one and two for another or Four for one, you know, six and five and five. Like, who knows what that's going to look like? This is but, Tannehill's job. This but, is not a co-starter thing. The, Vrabel, y'all. Vrabel did say he. That's what I just said. He plays well. He keeps no, his job. But, but Vrabel did say he does not want a revolving door. No, yeah, exactly. Right. When y'all y'all got to listen to these. Sometimes when, when you listen to hurt. these coaches, I mean, you got to take it for uh, take it with a grain of salt. When he says, "Well, you know, it's just for this week," and all this, no, this is permanent for them. They don't want to keep on having to go back and forth. This they may when they decided to make this move, and they said Ryan Tannehill was our guy. They didn't say he's our guy until or unless they said this. This is our guy moving forward. Now, if he just falls off the cliff, then obviously you got to go. Or if he get injured, then obviously you got to make some decisions. That's all I'm saying. But this is not a co-starter thing. This is not a well. If he plays bad in the third quarter, they're going to pull him. No, if he plays well and then have a bad quarter. They're going to keep him in. It's not about they want to see how well he moves this offense. That's what they want to see. They might not even win the game this weekend. But if he if he if that offense looks different with him at the helm, he's staying there. Right. That's what and I'm saying. Even even if he plays right. bad, he's staying there. They're going to give him more than one game to try to get this thing going. I think the assumption is, oh, if Tannehill plays bad this game, they're going to pull him and they're going with Marcus. No, they're not. He just told you, I don't want a revolving door. If he plays bad, we're going to give him another opportunity because we know what we got in Marcus. We we know exactly. So we're going to give him another opportunity to straighten this thing out. But I don't want this revolving door. We decided as a coaching staff, as a GM, and I'm telling you, a lot of this, and, and people keep on blaming Vrabel and, 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 and uh, Robinson, but this came from the top. This decision came from the, I mean, the very top. You think Amy Adams yes, strong? This this decision probably came from her. John and them, as much that. as as much well, as they didn't that. draft him and all this other stuff. You think Amy actually meddles and gets involved I and says I, this I, guy needs to start? Like, no, no, no. I, I think Amy no. Amy probably she's the owner. She she they're never gonna tell us oh, sure. what what she's what, what she she's probably watched this game and say, listen, y'all need to do something. We need to this offense, we paid a lot of money for all these guys on offense, and the offense ain't y'all need to do something. And what what was the, the only thing they could do, they couldn't mess with the offensive line because whether we like it or not, 
it, it, it becomes worse when you start mismatching and throwing. They got to this this unit got to be cohesive. They got to continue to play together. It takes as much as I don't like I don't like the way Saffold is playing. Big Raj is playing. <laughs> it takes at least a year for all of these all of these guys to mold and gel together. At least a year. That has the that offensive line well, is but, just. But a, then, then how does Laramie Tunsil just show up in August with the Texans, and all of a sudden they have a good offensive line? We don't know if they have a great offensive line. We don't. Oh, we they don't, look better. And, and every no, every player is a case by case basis too. It's not you know. There's not a one, they, one rule fits all. Are they better than they were? Absolutely. But are they better than they can be? No, they're not. They can be much better next year once this line gels together. So, I'm telling you, this people are looking at Mike and John. I'm, Amy said something. I, I'm pretty but sure in the Amy middle of the game. Something. No, but you met, you, you said about this offensive line at the beginning of the year. But you mentioned the O line yeah. gelling, and it takes a year. You know, last year it was well. We got to give Matt Lafleur seven to ten weeks to see what he can do with the. Why is it around the NFL we can see teams overhaul personnel, change coaches, have instant success, but everything with the Tennessee Titans? Oh, we got to be patient. We got to give this guy eight weeks. We got to give this guy a year. Well, How do you know they're not sending it in the other market? Well, look at look at the Packers though. I mean, the Packers hire a brand new head coach after ten years. Hire a sign like six new defensive free agents, draft a bunch of guys, and their defense has been totally fixed. And at least for now, again, who knows? Defense and offense is totally different. It just seems like this is a win now league, and the the overturn happens quickly, and teams go from from this to this or that to that. Yet the Titans, we got to wait for years for things to get better. Yeah, I don't I, get that. And I'm not necessarily listen. I'll I'll sort of fall between the two of you guys. I, I think that there is a there is a reason for things to take time, but there also is a demand for it to happen right away. I, I think you guys are both right. My, my original point, though, getting back to my original point, the original point what is no, we, there is no guarantee. There <laughs> is no. I said if Ryan Tannehill plays well, he's going to keep his job. But there is no guarantee Ryan Tannehill, who is a more injured quarterback than Marcus Mariota throughout his career and has been less effective than Marcus Mariota over his career, there is no reason for me to have any faith that he is going to be A, productive, or B, healthy. So if those are the two reasons why he would stay in the lineup, I have no faith that those two things are going to happen. So I I fully believe that both quarterbacks are going to start a game at, at some point over the course of the last 10 games of the season. You're going to need both guys. That's what I believe. I could be totally wrong. I just don't think that Ryan Tannehill is going to walk out there and start playing much better football so that it's so obvious the offensive line is all of a sudden going to learn how to block and he's going to stay healthy and upright. I just don't have any faith in the organization, in the team, in the offense, in the coordinator, in, in, the, in the offensive line. I don't have any faith in that in that sort of growing and developing under a guy that we have 10 years of film on that says he's not all that good. So I, I just want to I would I, I hope I'm wrong. I'm rooting to be wrong. I want to see him be successful and productive because that would help the team mm-hmm. and it would help everybody in the city and everybody would be happier. But I just don't have any faith in that happening. And so I believe that both guys are going to have to start at some point. That could be totally wrong. But that's just sort of projecting the future and saying, hey, I'm going to guess what I think is going to happen. There's no faith that, that, that he stays upright, healthy, and, and is productive. I have no faith in that. All right. We have been, uh, you know, obviously very, very negative with the Tennessee Titans. But when we come back, I'm actually going to give you reasons for optimism. I'm going to give you some positives. I went deep into the annals of stats and data yesterday. Uh-oh. Yes, the annals. The deep. Annals. I went very deep in the annals. <laughs> I have notable moments of yeah. Ryan Tannehill's career because we always talk about Marcus. Well, he did this against Kansas City. He did this against the Patriots. He did this against the Eagles. Ryan Tannehill's had some decorated moments in some big spots and had some really monstrous games. Maybe, just maybe, he can uh, 
turn back the hands of time and have a couple of those for the Titans. We'll put a little positive spin on Mr. Tamerhan when we come back. Morning drive. Stay there. We're back after this. Oh, that's a very fitting song. I want something just like this. I'd love to have a, a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, they don't grow on trees. Sean Watson. Pretty, pretty hard to find those guys. It is Morning Drive. We're live this morning from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Uh, notable moments for Tannehill in a moment, but uh, something yeah, that you wanted to say with I, Marcus? I, I absolutely 100% am just riveting on the edge of, my, edge of my seat to get to the positive Tannehill moments. You know, uh, Hail Mary against the, the Patriots. Um, I, I just want to make one comment about Marcus's handling of this entire situation. And I and I and there's one thing that... There's one thing that I can't stand about like it feels like and Nick you've done this a few times so don't I'm not trying to personally attack you. I think this whole like it, it, oh Marcus is such a great guy. I don't want to hear uh, there seems to be a line now in Nashville where it's like I don't want to hear how good of a guy he is, right? Like, the same thing with Derek Mason, the Vandy coach. And and well, I thought you were going to talk about our Derek Mason. I was like, no, he's, oh, he's, he's definitely a good guy. He's nice, he's a nice guy. Um <laughs> but gave me a TV. So I, I think there's <laughs> and a car. That, that's a legit thing, by the way. When you give someone a, any TV bigger than 45 inches, you've you've gone above and beyond the call of duty of, of a friendship. It was nice of Derek <laughs> to give me his 45 incher. <laughs> um, so there there seems to be this pushback on the last couple of years of evaluating Marcus on the field mm-hmm. by saying, "I don't care if he's uh, this great guy. I don't care if he's a great leader. I don't care if the the the, the locker room loves him. I, I don't care about any of that." And that is true to not care about that stuff when you're evaluating him on the field. There's also a moment where we should be allowed to step back from this whole thing and appreciate how a, how someone is handling adversity, the way we do with Jalen Hurts. Now, I know he's a college kid versus a pro athlete. Sure. There's a different expectation. A pro athlete has to deal with whatever it is that you have. You know, you, you, these are things you have to deal with, right? But I do want to say I want to at least have the moment to say I think it is extremely commendable how Marcus Mariota is handling being benched in the NFL. I would expect nothing less from him, but I think it's worth noting. It has nothing to do with his evaluation of how he plays on the field. But it, it's okay for someone to say, "Man, I'm I'm really impressed with that." I, I think it's I think it's like I'm you know what that's that's classy. Oh, he's always I, been I res- he's always been class personified. Right. I, I respect that. I've got that's classy right there. I respect that. It's okay for someone to say that, and then also say, "Well, you weren't good enough to start, right?" Like you, you, you we have we have to be allowed to separate it. And I don't feel like recently we've been allowed to say, "Like, oh, he's a really nice guy," because everyone's like, "I don't care about if he's a nice guy anymore." And and it's we can separate him and say, "Man, dude's handling this pretty well." Like it, this is a hard situation. Yeah, no, my it, my beef with the he's the, not once taken a shot at his offensive line. He's not once taken a which shot. He could easily could have. He could take a sh- he could take shots at a lot of people, and he doesn't do it, and he and he handles it with class. Every time, and I just, I just, I just no, want to point, point that out. My, my beef has always been when people want to call in or hosts or media people in this city, you know, always preface it by saying Marcus is a good guy, but he was terrible on Sunday. Like you don't need to qualify his poor performance oh, on yeah. an individual uh, sure. week by saying he's a nice guy. Yeah, I totally, I, I totally agree with that. I, I'm talking about when you get benched and are asked tough questions about right. why you're benched, and you never once say. I've been sacked 29 times in five. Like, you never even once allude to anything else. All you do is say, I need to learn. I need to get better. It's on me. I need to learn. I need to get better. I think that's – I don't know. I think – I'm not sure I could do that, you know, without being pretty pissed off and having things to say. You we, know, it, it's just, you know. 
We uh, we might need to pour one out for Derek's um, MacBook. Yeah, what, what were you doing? I think there? it just physically died. My MacBook is it's on a fritz, it fellas. It's gone. It started making weird faces at you. Yeah, it's, it's like, man, seriously. Much like the Mariota tenure in Tennessee, yeah. Derek's laptop could be over. It could be over in the, before the show even start really get going. Man. All right. Well, here here's some here's some notable Tannehill moments for you because I I went back yesterday and I wanted you to see you know when he's had really really good moments. So you go back and oh just just you know just to give a little positive to Ryan Tannehill. I mean this guy was a starter in the league for seven years, so it's not like we're starting Blaine Gabbert for the rest of the year. Uh, year two of his career, 2013, week 17 against the New England Patriots. Uh, 312 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He beat Tom Brady, quarterback rating of 121. Week two, year two of his career, uh, 319 yards, 68%. He beat Andrew Luck in the Colts, 24-20. In 2014, the guy had six games where his quarterback rating was above 104. Uh, he also beat Phillip Rivers that year. Uh, in 2015, he defeated the Patriots again. In 2015, he had a perfect quarterback rating against the Texans on October the 25th. Uh, 2016, he had a quarterback rating above 124 in four games. And last year against the New England Patriots, he also defeated them with a quarterback rating almost perfect of 155.3. That's, that's the Hail Mary, right? Uh, I don't know if that's the Hail Mary or not. Yeah, they, they won that game. The one they, in Miami that they won? Okay. I believe that was the, and was the, the Kenyon Drake caught that pass and took it I think you're right took about 80 I think yards right. or whatever. and also last year five games where his quarterback rating was above 104 so I mean there is a handful of moments over six to seven years where Ryan Tannehill's played really high level quarterbacking it doesn't it, feel like a lot of games over seven years though it's it's you know he's had seasons where he's been good and he's had seasons where you know he struggled um he's that's why I say these two guys from a statistic statistical standpoint they are the same guy now you know obviously the the skill set is slightly different um but um you know if if you're running an offense like the Tennessee Titans you could run it with Tannehill or or Mariota either one because both of the skill sets are so similar you don't have to change things up as if Blaine Gabbert you're going for Marcus to Blaine Gabbert um so um, you know, he's had his moments, and maybe just maybe him him having to sit down and watch and learn. Um, you know, it maybe maybe it will help him a new, you know, a new place to play, a new offensive scheme might help him. Frankly, he has better weapons now than at times in Miami. Uh, well, and let's also keep in perspective too the Miami Dolphins since Dan Marino is retired. I mean, short of the you know, the wildcat year with Ronnie Brown, mm-hmm. they've been a dumpster fire. Yeah, that, that sometimes you are a product of your surroundings. That organization right? has been a dumpster fire for a dumpster fire for a very long time. So and the Miami Dolphins were a dumpster fire, and Ryan Tannehill quarterbacked those teams for seven years. Well, we said that about that's not a it's not a ringing s- endorsement. We could say that about Marcus. This team, even no, they're though, nine and seven, they're winning but, games, but they still, but nine and seven, and how they have been deep down hasn't been good they have been a nine and 17 but it hasn't been a good it's been this you don't know nine and 17 it's been you know almost a byproduct of what's going on around them nine and 17 um, because their offense hadn't you know been the offense that we wanted to see the last four years they've had moments 
But for the most part, it's been a defense. They had a stretch. You know, the offense had a stretch when they scored 30-some points a game almost. But that's not the norm for them. The norm for them was a, a, a pedestrian offense. And, you know, this organization has been, you know, in turmoil for a long time. And, you know, kudos to Amy. She's done something. She's come in and stabilized it, so to speak, and did some things with an organization that makes things look better. And hopefully, you know, we will continue to get better moving forward. But, I mean, maybe it's not as bad as Miami. Um, Or maybe Miami is not as bad as it is in Tennessee. I I don't know. But I think there's more, like, I I wouldn't call, like, if you want to call Miami a dumpster fire, that I think that might even be a little firm, a little harsh on them because while organizationally, you know, they've gone through a lot of GMs and Tannenbaum and, you know, all this stuff who gave Tannehill this huge contract, it, you know, it's not like they cratered. They they never were, you know, two and three win seasons the way the Titans were before Marcus got here and before Amy Adams Strunk took over. And and that's only been a, a four-year window. This is only the fifth year of that. Um, and the difference is Tannehill had seven years, and again, he they weren't really ever two and fourteen. They always had, you know, six wins, seven wins. It wasn't like they were atrocious. It wasn't like Miami was terrible. Um, you pointed out some of the good moments. It, it's just if you draft, you, you you guys say this all the time about Marcus. If you draft a quarterback in the first round, number two overall, he's got to immediately take over and be the guy. Well, th- this guy had seven years. Marcus has had four. This guy had seven years to do that and was a first-round draft pick of the Miami Dolphins and never and never had one winning season and he only played eleven or he only played thirteen games that year when they when he, when he had a winning the only time he's ever had a winning record so it, I don't think Miami's been as bad as maybe dumpster fireish maybe a uh, hot garbage <laughs> hot gar- is hot garbage worse or better than a dumpster fire I don't know whatever's not as bad as a dumpster fire is what Miami has been now they're a dumpster fire right now they've gotten rid of all their personnel. I would say that they were a bad team. They weren't a complete disaster. But when also unfortunate to be in a division with a dynasty for two for yeah, two decades. No, yeah, no question. That that's almost guaranteed two losses. Except for as you pointed out, they win almost every year against the Patriots at home. So <laughs> they actually split with the Patriots every year. I, I just think if you're the starting quarterback for seven full seasons for a team that never has a winning record outside of one time. You know, and you're the first round draft pick. That's the exact same conversation we've had about Marcus, except for Marcus has had winning records and gotten him to the playoffs. So it's not that much different. Um, you know, I again, I think we're all rooting for him. I just don't. I I, I don't know what in indicators you point to to say, man, this guy's going to have so much success. And, and it's mostly the offensive line. I'm not saying it's a Tannehill problem. I think it's an offensive line problem. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number if you want to jump in on the conversation. Seven three seven one zero two five. We're going to get into a different conversation when we come back regarding athletes and media and the way media pro- poses a question towards a player and whether or not players can handle said questions. We'll kick that around when we come back. Morning Drive. We're back after this on ESPN one zero two five. The game. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, the game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise. We will get to this uh, good conversation we're going to have for the duration of the rest of this hour uh, on athletes uh, against the media in just a moment. But let's grab a phone call, 737-1025. Damien in Nashville is first up this morning on Morning Drive. What's up, Damien? Hey, gentlemen. How are you doing this morning? I just have a quick comment I'd like to make. Um, love the show, too, by the way. Thank, Thank you, Real quick. Um, you know, it's no surprise. They're only like a small percentage of 
organizations that have won every single Super Bowl that there has ever been, with a few exceptions. <laughs> and think about where we are now versus where we were, say, I don't know, 10 years ago. More and more, I'm thinking about where the Titans are as an organization in the management and front office division and how, I don't know, am I wrong for saying it? It just feels as though they totally let the fans down, let the team down, the players, and perhaps maybe we are seeing a situation where maybe we need to make some changes there because the defense is so good and the offense has continued to struggle. I mean, there's just some things that just glare out. You know what I mean? What do you guys think? That's all I got. Thank you. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're going to rip on the general manager, for example, the front office, scouting department, whoever you may be referring to for sort of the struggles of the offense, that's obviously very fair. Uh, But then you also have to give them all the credit for building the elite defense you just talked about as well. So, I don't. I think this falls more to me on Vrabel and and the offensive line than it does on the front office. Yet, I'm not there yet with with John Robinson. But it, isn't there something to be said for some organizations around the league? They always get it right in certain areas, and then there's certain franchises that always get it wrong in other areas. Like I feel like the Steelers, they always crank out linebackers. They always find that next receiver. They always find certain. You know, the Ravens. They just you know, some pro, some NFL teams are just factories in certain aspects, and the Titans, for some reason, continue to struggle to find a true offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, the Packers, I'll just use the Packers as an example. You know, this is a stable franchise that, that is one of those teams he's talking about that's won the Super Bowls, sure. right? They've, they've got, they've got um, three of them, or four of them, and so it's it, they're one of those. It doesn't mean they're also immune to bad decisions, right? Mike McCarthy was kept on too long. You know they had bad. They they haven't had a defense in years. Like they're still, even though they've had great quarterback play and great coaches over a fifty-year period of time, it's not. It's not as if they're not. They don't have their moments of being out of the playoffs and not being good. The Steelers right now are probably going to be in one of those slumps because Big Ben is injured, right? So, um, you know, Patriots, Steelers. I you know I don't know who else, I don't know who in the a, in the NFC you'd put into that boat because New Orleans feels like new money mm-hmm. they don't they don't feel like old NFL money agreed right like the Eagles are always a pretty good team over the last twenty thirty years they're not elite but they're pretty good um, the Packers are there I don't and I don't know who else you'd put into that like again Seattle's like new money right Seattle's been good because Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll like mm-hmm. it's well there I don't was know. years that I mean. Up until Daniel Snyder bought the team, Washington was one of those teams where that's a really good point. They just was, you know, they just cranked out good teams, um, you know. And when Snyder took over, it seemed like everything everything just kind of went haywire. You know, they get rid of Joe Gibbs, and everything just goes haywire. Like in Baltimore, uh, Ozzie could always spot defensive exactly, talent. Absolutely, absolutely. They're, they're, I mean, and, 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 you know, you, and he you knew got, when to sign a receiver who got exactly. put on put on the waiver wire there. Absolutely, and he's, and, and that's another good thing. Oz, you know, Ozzie was great at is seeing a value in a, in 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 another team's sort of outcast. Okay, you don't want to use him. He still can play. You don't. Want, well, we're going to bring him here, and he's going to be very successful. You look at well, hell, the, myself, Patriots, the Patriots do that yeah, better. You than look anybody. at myself. You look at Anquan Bowden. You look at Steve Smith. Three guys that were you know let go from their teams because yeah. they just felt they can do better. A lot of catches and, there between those and three. Not a lot of catches. And you won two. You know you won a Super Bowl with Anquan Bowden. 
and you've been AFC Championship games with Steve and myself. Certain organizations are able, and, and I give the Titans this, they've been able to spot left and right tackles. For whatever reason, left and right tackles are running backs. Those are two mm-hmm. positions. They've, they've seemed to gotten right, you know, Earl Campbell, Eddie George, you know, uh, they brought in DeMarco Murray. I, I didn't like the Chris um, Johnson draft pick, but Chris he turned Johnson out to be a pretty good player. turned out to be a really good player. Um, Until he got paid. Yeah. Um, now you look at Derrick Henry. So there are certain positions that the Tennessee Titans, that they've had a history of hitting it right on the head, hitting the nail right on the head. But then there's other positions well, I would that put, they would you, put, would you put linebacker? Like, not, they, not a, it not hasn't elite. been bad, not but elite, it, it's but. been like solid. Whether it start, you know, before Al Smith and then Al Smith and right. then linebackers. They've been solid at that but position. Of, but of the defense, that's their best position. Exactly. Right? Like oh, the secondary, no yeah. they have not yeah. been great at finding talent. Although that this is actually one of the better second. I mean, mm-hmm. Bayard and Butler. I, listen, I... I don't think it's time to look at Amy Adams Strunk or John Robinson yet. I just like back to the caller's original question. I don't think that's the the, the problem here. Um, the quarterback, the offensive line, the coaching staff, the, the offensive personnel, like that. That I put more of this on. You know, John Robinson wears big rods around his neck. Like we know that. That's a hundred percent. But it's a heavy chain. It's a, it's a big chain. But. You know that that certainly is part of this, but his decision not to pick up Jack Conklin's option will be a, will be part of this. Like his decision to pay Taylor Lewan the most amount of money in the history of the NFL, and then have his then have him get suspended for four games. That's that's around John Robinson. Um, but I, I don't. I think it's on coaching right now. For for now, I, I need to see multiple years of bad decision making from John Robinson before I say, all right, I, I hang this around John right now. I I don't know. I think he's done almost everything he can do to put the, the right personnel in the right place, he made a big mistake with Roger Saffold. But through the draft, he's largely been pretty good in the draft. It's, he's made a lot of good decisions. All right, athletes against the media, and I've always been fascinated by this, whether an athlete underachieves or underperforms and then doesn't want to talk about it when in the line of questioning at a press conference or a media availability, or when a player runs his mouth, underachieves, looks like a dope, and then gets questioned about it, doesn't have an answer for it. We'll get into that when we come back. It's Morning Drive. We're back after this. Do you wish maybe you didn't say what you said about Cousins? I'm here to talk about the game. Not about that. Well, that was a big part of it. Cousins. Uh... Any other questions besides about Kirk Cousins? How do you think he played today? He did a great job today. He played good. You know? That's awesome. I can't break that. Doug Peterson to the podium. All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise. That was former Eagles linebacker Zach Brown, who has subsequently been released from the Philadelphia Eagles uh, on Sunday. So going into that game, Zach Brown, Eagles linebacker, was chirping, saying, you know, Kirk Cousins is basically the weak link of the Vikings. He's not that good, yada, yada. I'm just paraphrasing. He played great. That's awesome. He trashed him. But, I mean, Kirk Cousins comes out and looks like he was Canton-bound on Sunday. Totally barbecued the Eagles, and that was the way he wanted to handle the postgame presser when asked about, you know, his comments on Kirk Cousins. So where, where are we nowadays where athletes and the media and not standing in direct fire? Because for what it's worth, yesterday, head coach Derek Mason took every question we had uh, for him. Marcus Mariota sat yeah. there after being benched, publicly humiliated, and answered every single question that was asked of him. Yep. Some of them repeat questions. Um, I, I, I think... I think there is a and, – and Taylor Lewan, part of his sort of media desires and, and outside of football career, this busting with the boys stuff and the podcast, 
some of it's that he just has a big personality and likes to talk and wants to get out there. But also, I understand athletes who want to control the message, right? I think that Tiger Woods is the originator of this. He's the one who created his own website to break all of his own news because he didn't want to deal with gatekeepers, right, the media. So I understand that desire. But when you control the message, are, are, are you really going to ask yourself tough questions? You're not. And so the, re, the role that we play is for the fans. We've said this every time on the show we talk about this. We ask questions because we think the fans deserve answers to those questions. You ask Derek Mason, why is your team unwatchable? Because that's what Vanderbilt fans want to know. They want to know. And so I, I think when you make a lot of money, it's different with college athletes. But, it's, but when you make a lot of money, part of that salary is to answer questions. So you have to deal with it, whether you like it or not, whether the questions are antagonistic or not, whether the media members are being rude to you or not. There's not a win, there's not a win for you if you sort of take it out on them. You, Saban can do it because Saban has got you know, 4,000 championships. You know, Mark D'Antonio this, this mm-hmm. year has not looked good to me. He, he's made a bunch of really awful comments towards media members because he's frustrated about his team, and that's not fair. To the to the guy who makes forty grand a year writing a story about Michigan State football, Mace, you've mm-hmm. you've been on both sides of this. You're in the media now. You were a player for fifteen years. Is there a point where the the media is out of line, or should the player um, just take every bullet thrown his way? No, I don't think a player should take every bullet thrown his way. I think there can be times where you know a media guy is is or girl is out of line. Um, if it gets or, personal, or they that's, continue to that's wrong. you know badger and badger and badger, where it's like I'm giving you the same answer. Uh, I'm not going to answer it any different way, but you continue to, you know, try to, you know, a- ask the question in, in 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 like ten different ways. It's like I'm giving you the same answer. What, what, what you want my honesty? I'm giving it to you. This is what I, I don't know how else to answer this question. I'm not going to give you just for the sake of giving you something to write about because a, a lot of times that's what they want. They want something they could take because they will take a five-minute interview or a three-minute interview and take out two things you said and then plaster that for clickbait. And these players, and I, I, you know, I don't blame them. They've gotten smarter. And they're like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, and we've been taught, listen, you don't have to answer every question that is thrown your way. You don't. You know, you slow down, you listen to the question, and you answer it the way you want to answer it. And how fast you want to answer that question. If you want to take three minutes on a question, take three minutes on a question. If you want to take a minute or 20 seconds, take it. It's your it's ten, ten you, seconds. <laughs> you are in control of all of this. And that's what some media people hate, that the player is in control of it. And, you know, and you try to get at you try to get your you try to get what you want to hear out of the player by asking it in several different ways. You're doing your job, but then expect the player to do his his or her job too like, by giving you an answer that they want to give you. I don't they have a might problem. give you get clickbait, but then again, they might not, and you can't get mad at them. I don't have a problem with Zach Brown's comments there, actually. I, I, don't, re- I don't really like, he, hey, how did Kirk Cousins play? Oh, he played great. That's cool. Like he gave him a straight answer. He said, "Yeah, yeah he played great." And they and, wanted and him then, to go. They wanted, they wanted him to say, "You know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm I, sorry. I, right. I, I'm sorry." No, but he said he played great. Move on. I mean, right. what, what more? And that's why they said, "Hey, Doug Peterson's coming to the podium," and then they moved on. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't have as big of issue with that. What, what I don't, that, that there is also, there's also a level of like an intimidation factor too in the locker room, especially with football, basketball. Like just there, there's, there's these intensely physical. Very, very large human beings 
um, that can be very intimidating if if you don't sort of have the confidence to walk up to somebody and just sort of randomly start asking tough questions. It it, it takes some intestinal fortitude. Um, by and large, great athletes are really good people too, and they handle everything professionally. But you're walking in. There's a reason. There's a cool down period for for college and professional sports, right? There's a like so for those that don't know. You know, you, at the end of a game, you go into the locker room, you have your meetings with your coach, the coach gives the speech, and then there's a cool-down period. And there's a re- the reason there's a cool-down period is because you don't want to be taking questions immediately after getting, you know, stomped on or your heart ripped out or whatever as an athlete. It, it doesn't mean that you don't have to then do something difficult in life, <laughs> which is answer questions from the media who are asking questions for the fans. And I, I, I will totally disagree with anyone who says that – media is out to get people. There are some bad media members, just like there are bad athletes and bad people in every walk of life. There are absolutely bad, bad people. But I, I believe in my heart that by and large, most people in most industries are doing good and trying to do the right thing and just trying to do their job. And when, when somebody's asking, you know, I, I don't know, pick a, you know, pick a Titan about a tough question, right? Right now, like, I, like Taylor Lewan answered every tough question. On Sunday, he 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 gave a two and a half minute answer to like three different questions and talked about how terrible the offensive line was and how he needed to do a better job and he took responsibility and, and took tough questions. But that's part of your job when you're the highest paid player on the team and the highest paid left tackle in the football. You've got to answer that question because your team gave up seven sacks to the Denver Broncos and you know got your quarterback benched. How, how do you guys feel about that? That's a tough question. Yeah, it, it is. Um, but players got to understand that. You are in control of your answer. They are in control of the question. They can ask whatever question they want. You can answer it however you want. Don't ever feel, and I think some, you know, media members do. They 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 feel as if you owe that to them to answer that question. You don't owe it to them. You are giving them the privilege to interview you. You are truly because they can say, you know what? I, I don't, I don't feel. I don't feel like doing this. They can walk away. And they get fined they, they, though, right? It don't, it don't matter that some. You know, some guys are take the fine. I, who right. who was it that took the fine? The, Marshawn Lynch. The, the, Marshawn Lynch and the whole offensive line at one point. I think for one team, they just took the fine. They said we're not answering any questions. Mm-hmm. We're moving on. So it's a it's it's a privilege. It's not a right for you to ask these guys. It's a privilege, just like it's a privilege for us to play the game. Don't get this stuff twisted, okay? It's a privilege for me to ask Coach Mason a question. It's not my right. I'm not going to get it twisted. Just like it's not mm. a player's, it's not. It's a privilege to play in the NFL, and it's a privilege for you to be able for these teams to allow you to come in their building and say, you know what, you can ask the questions. Now they don't try to monitor it, but don't let's not again. Let's not get this thing twisted. You don't have a right to walk in there and start asking questions because the team could say, you know what, we don't want you, we don't want you, we'll take the fine, we'll take the hit, whatever. But we don't you, we don't want you coming in here not, and asking not, questions. Not if you want to be in the NFL. But if, you, if it's you're going to be an NFL franchise, that's part of the deal. It's dude. a privilege to do that. No, yes, it is. It's totally. a but, but the league mandates media yeah, availability. Yeah, absolutely, but it's a privilege. I can tell every member, a media member. I've worked my they, ass off they, to be on this but show, but it's still a damn so. privilege. It's a privilege. No, you I agree have, with that. You don't have a right that. to walk in. You, I don't have. I don't have a right to walk in that building and just ask Derrick Henry what I want to ask him. Derrick Henry can say no. I don't feel I answer the questions. It's a privilege that I can get to walk up to Derrick Henry and say, Hey, hey, Derrick, can I ask you a few questions? That's a privilege. That's where we're getting this damn thing twisted. It's not a right. We don't have the right to do that. It's a privilege. It's that written we into the contract. It's a privilege. That, but we don't have a – what I'm saying is I can decline your – I can just sit there 
sure. and just look at you like right, you're crazy. But then, you then have, the league might whack you eighty five hundred bucks. I could take the fine. It doesn't right. matter. You, you have a right to do that. I could take a. Yeah. I could take the fine. But again, but if I have we a right saying, to ask you the question. If we are saying, oh, you, this is your, you, you got it. No, I don't have to do anything. I think. I think one thing though that the players forget sometimes is. It's not so much the journalist trying to get clickbait or a story or this for his job. I, I think sometimes the player forgets that the the journalist is nothing more than a conduit to the fan. No, they are to no, but they so are. when when you when you do get combative with the journalist or the media or the sports he's, radio host, he's just the messenger. Then you're kind of snubbing your nose to your fan base, which is your constituency. No, you're not, right. because in this day and age, this is what and you and y'all even said Tiger Woods. They can do. You don't. I, as a player, can develop my own website and everything else. And every question that a fan wants well, to answer, I can ask. But Tiger gets answer. away with it because he's bigger than life. I, I understand he's bigger than Zach sport. Brown is, I mean, come on. I, I, but no, no, what I'm saying is I understand that part. But if you're saying, well, the, the journalist or the guy that's asking the questions is a, is, a, is a conduit to the fans. They are that medium between the player, I mean, between the team or whoever and the fan. Yes, they can be, but also I also as a player can say, you know what? I'm going to craft my own message. I'm going to get on social media. I'm going to. That's what Taylor does. Oh, 100%. He, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, say, listen, absolutely. I am th- to take away all of me. I am going to be the media person. Control the narrative. What, whatever message you, whatever question you want to ask me, ask me, and I will answer the question. So sometimes it is about in this day and age. It is about. It's not. A, it's not necessarily about the fan. It is about getting that click. It is because because what happens if you don't get that click? I don't get the sponsors don't come in. So I'm going to ask a question that's going to get that click. I'm not going to ask. You know, hey, why did you get benched? Well, yeah. And then you. And I'm gonna go even deeper because I want to get something out of there that I can put on my website or I can put on the front page or I can do this where people are going to click on and read it. People are not going to read just a a hum a hum dug you know interview. They're not. They want to see a clickbait thing. So it is about money. It is about asking that tough question. And there's nothing wrong with asking a tough question. There's not. Yeah, you you. I think players have a right to not answer. I think that's totally fair. I, players have a right to not answer, but. It has been put into the contracts that the media has a right to ask questions as well. It is a part of the relationship. You are let's let's to, to Nick's point on this. The salary cap is going up every year. Why is the salary cap going up every year? Because TV ratings and fan interest goes up every year. The fans pay for all of this, and the fans pay for you know the, the players earn the money. There's a hundred like I'm not that, well. And I'm salary caps go up because league revenue. Yeah, league yeah. revenue goes up are, because again, the fans are the, the, the these companies. Of, these companies are buying it. If the again, we see it at stadiums every day. If it was based upon, I love the fans and everything else. But if it was based upon just the fans, they wouldn't have any money. Well, of course, the not. players wouldn't have any money because these fans are—they're not showing up anymore, and they have because no, it costs TV too rate. much. No, it's TV ratings. Yeah, exactly, it costs but TV too ratings much. is fans, and the fans it, are paying for the television contracts. The fans pay for that by by tuning in in the hundreds of millions. We pay for ESPN or Fox or ABC to then pay the NFL boatloads of money and in those contracts it says that the players must answer questions to the media the coaches the the administrators whoever like college football right the, the revenues have skyrocketed in the last 20 years it, when the revenues skyrocket and you start to make a boatload of money coaches in college football you need to ask questions that along with that heightened level of fame and and fortune comes a heightened level of scrutiny that's just the way the world works and so 
when that happens, and, and in college, I don't care about the athletes as much. I would love to get to know the athletes more, but I don't, I don't think we should, you know, companies, media companies or otherwise should be profiting off of that kind of stuff. I, it's the coaches that are the ones that are getting rich in college sports. So it's sort of different. But in the NFL, if I'm, again, the Barry Bonds is, is, is the perfect issue with, with me. Barry Bonds, $25 million a year. Well, $2 million of that 25 <laughs> is to answer our stinking questions because Giants fans – San Francisco Giants fans want to know what's going on in your life. Why is this happening? What? Why oh, did, yeah. What yeah. did you see on that pitch? Why didn't you play that? Why are you? You know, like the the whole point is to to relay a message from a player to the fan because the fan doesn't have access to the player. That, that's the media's job. It doesn't mean there aren't some bad ones out there that are looking to you know screw somebody over or get a bad quote or gain some clicks. But the Athletic, for example, doesn't do anything with clicks. It's all subscription based. So it's not about clicks. The Athletic, when Adam Vingan asks a question to Peter Laviolette, he's doing it because he wants Predators fans to get the best information. And that's it. And so it's I, I think there's a very dangerous misconception about the media right now that is being propagated by very important people in this country. And that is why journalists, not to get too serious here, but that's why journalists are dying at a higher rate today than they ever have in the history of this country is because it's been taken way too seriously. We're just here for the fans. Uh, I mean, I could die for calling somebody Big Raj. You, you never know. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Nashville morning host goes missing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Big Raj <laughs> got me. 615-737-1025. Uh, we'll come back. We'll take some calls on this if you want to jump in. Uh, and also, what makes football more unwatchable for you? We will explain next on Morning Drive.